0: Of, uh, Psalms if you have your Bible forty seventh chapter of the book of Psalms My grandparents uh, both um... look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. all the must not take yourself too seriously and six one since that matters and what do I even say other than hey <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Grew, grew up during the silent era they called it. It's too bad the movie industry is no longer silent. The silent movie era was from 1894 to 1929, the the height of the silent Uh, era was 1910s around that time to about the 1920s Sam Levinson uh, wrote a book called everything but money and he said the audience in these silent theaters made plenty of sound in other words the audience uh, for the most part would be providing the sound effect I want to read to you what he said here he said when the hero appeared everybody cheered When the villain came on, everybody booed. When the hero kissed the girl, you could hear 400 kids kissing their elbows. Filling the theater with kissing sounds, it made it clear that silent movies were far from noiseless. He goes on to write in his book, We Screamed Warnings. At the actors on the screen we screamed approval, we screamed at each other, fights broke out in the theater, we stamped, we whistled, we wept when the faithful dog whined over his master's wounded body. The point is, it was by making noise and movement that the people entered into and participated in the drama unfolding on the screen Now I said all that to say this not to extol the stupid movie industry my point is in the old theater people got their body involved in the experience so I want to preach a message I've titled that worship is physical and vocal Psalms 47 might as well read the whole chapter it's only nine verses Oh clap your hands all you peoples shout to God with the voice of triumph for the Lord most high is awesome he is great and a great king over all the earth he will subdue the peoples under us and the nations under our feet he will choose our inheritance for us the excellence of Jacob whom he loves god has gone up with a shout the lord with the sound of a trumpet sing praises to god sing praises sing praises to our king sing praises for god is the king of all the earth sing praises with understanding god reigns over the nations god sets on his holy throne the princes of the people have gathered together the people Of the God of Abraham for the shields of the earth belong to God he has greatly exalted so I'm preaching this morning on the physiology of worship I want to consider with you first of all this morning that worship is not a passive experience in other words people participated and came became very active adding sound and movement of the body there is a physiology to worship our text begins with quiet meditation and prayer but clapping of hands and shouting to god the bible says they cried out with joy now it's interesting to me and i want to make a point this morning that most of the hand clapping that you read about in the Bible is evil. Don't get nervous on me now. It's usually the wicked clapping and rejoicing over the suffering of the people of God. One commentary wrote clapping was at an expression of delight and approval and evil people clap at evil for the approve it. And for the pleasure in it in contrast to man who claps for evil. The world of nature is always pictured in the Bible as clapping its hands for the glory of God. I'm going somewhere with this message. Very often in church people will clap, but they never move their lips in praise to God did you know this morning that it's all right to clap in a Holy Ghost Church but clapping alone is not really praise and worship sometimes that's all people do is clap but you'll find that praise in 1st Peter is the fruit of our lips it is a sacrifice of praise Psalms 98 in verse 8 said the rivers clap their hands and the mountains sing together for joy. The prophet Isaiah in the 55th chapter verse number 12. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills will burst into song before you and the trees of the field will clap their hands. Now that tells me this morning that nature makes lots of noise in praising God. This psalm, Psalm 47 in particular, points out the fact that the volume that comes out of the mouth seems to be the biblical issue. a matter of fact, Psalms 47 was a part of the New Year's Day celebration in the synagogue. The psalm that I read to you this morning they would sing it seven times and then blow the trumpets and the same Hebrew word for clap here is used for blowing the trumpet the idea in our text is to make a joyful noise I'm glad to tell you this morning God did not say sing in tune if he said sing in tune we'd all be in deep trouble because many of us here can't hold a tune in a bucket i've been on the platform singing had the microphone on and had them come over turn it off and ask me if i could whistle but the bible doesn't say sing in tune it says make a joyful noise all ye lands let everything that hath breath praise the living god we're talking about The physiology this morning of worship you can pray silently but in public corporate expression of worship praises are fairly loud according to the bible we're talking about enthusiastic thanksgiving in order to do that you have to go beyond the heart and the mind and the soul And love God with all of your strength. In other words, the instrument by which you produce energy is your body. And one of the new brothers came in this morning. We're just getting acquainted and he said, I love the enthusiasm that you have here. You're upbeat. I have family members back in Tulsa. We love to watch your show. We love to listen to you and Donald Trump because you're both enthused. I'll take that as a compliment. Well, I don't want to do that because it's just not me. It's not my personality. I'm a quiet praiser. Well, you're sure not wanna go to heaven, that's for sure. Because heaven's going to be very, very noisy. Psalms 98 and verse 4, make a joyful noise unto the Lord all the earth. Listen to this, and make a loud noise and rejoice, sing praise. Psalms 32 verse 11, be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous, and shout for joy, all ye that are upright in heart. And you would think, moving to the New Testament now, that God would tone the praise down. But the volume continues to go up. Revelation 7 and verse number 10. And they crowd with a, cried with a loud voice, salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. Revelation 19 and verse 1. I heard a great voice of much people in heaven shouting hallelujah. Salvation and glory and power belong. To our God. So praise this morning is an emotional release of joy. Oh, how many times I have been criticized in my Pentecostal worship? I've had little committees come up to the platform after service. I've had them say to me, it doesn't take all that to worship God. I'm preaching a revival meeting in South London for Marty Carnegie. They protested our meeting. A pastor in his late 70s, his two lady disciples in their 70s. Protesting our meeting. And I'm not going to mention the denomination they came from, but the Church of Christ. They don't have musical instruments in their church they sing acapella every service and they're in the back of the building during the service the pastor's taking notes along with his two elderly disciples they've been protesting carrying signs outside the building the real issue wasn't the musical instruments the real issue is is that too many ethnic people were getting saved in that meeting. In that meeting, the rapping pastor, Ernie Toppin's mother, got saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. I mean, the building was so packed, the pastor said, let's lift our hands and praise God. Let's give the Lord a clap offering. Look like spastics out there. They were packed wall to wall. When we're praising, the walls were breathing. Dozens of people saved. Old fashioned devil chasing, sin killing, Holy Ghost revival every night. The pastor would slip up behind me, get on the Hammond organ. I almost hurt myself in that meeting. The praise, we started singing some of the old time songs. It's that Holy Ghost and fire, and it's keeping me alive. It's all over me, and it's keeping me alive. Sing a song, time to get in, get out, or get run over. Jesus on the main line, tell him what you want. Call him up, call him up, and tell him what you want. And we had a Holy Ghost service. I thought this is what heaven's going to be like. The problem this morning, if there is a problem... We are products of a different culture than the biblical culture. You know, it's amazing to me to watch people, how loud they can get at fiestas. Just mention food. Hundreds come. Political rallies. This is big on Guam. I didn't realize how big politics was. People, they're they're screaming, they don't even know what they're screaming for. And then they come to church, and they're all quiet and mum. Same people in Daddy Doe at the soccer stadium, hyperventilating, falling out of the stands. Shouting the whole time, clapping the whole time. And then come to church and act all stoic. And I want to tell you, secondly, the Bible command, we cannot escape the fact that the Bible commands and urges us to use the body to make noise and movements to communicate our honor and praise to God. The Bible tells us that the body is a tool for the heart and the mind to express themselves. Psalms 134, verse number 2, Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. Psalms 141, and verse number 2, May the lifting up of my hands be like the evening sacrifice. In other words, just like prayer ascends to God like incense, so the lifting of our hands represents the body being lifted up in sacrifice to God's surface. You know, much of the charismatic worship today has sexual connotations. That's the reason why men don't like going to church sometimes, because most of the songs are Christian romance songs. They say they're singing to Jesus, but it sounds like they're singing to their boyfriend. Can't you just feel the, it's just awesome. Can you say that a little bit deeper? You can smell the sweet aroma. Those are not the guys I used to hang out with. We had to get married to be domesticated, but today they're overly domesticated. Christian romance music is called praise. I don't believe you need to wiggle your rear in church. You know, we used to have a guy that sat up here in the front row and he's his worship is sexual. And I found out he's nothing but a fornicator. That's the reason why his worship was sexual. Anyway, moving quickly on to happy things. Let me add this, though. Let me bring a balance here. You know that in the male and female relationship, it's not enough to just think nice thoughts about each other. Some of you young guys are trying to find the keys to getting your dream girl. You know, it's not enough. To feel loving toward one another? Do you know the heart and mind can be all they ought to be in feeling and thought, and yet nobody can be satisfied? Listen to me. For love to be expressed, to be real adequate, this means the body has to be the tool by which the heart and mind express love. The body through the mouth speaks forth love. The body kisses, caresses, develops the deepest possible intimacy with the loved one. The heart and the mind need the body to fulfill their love. The reason both the Old Testament and the New Testament use the husband and wife relationship to illustrate the God and man relationship is because the body becomes the key to the full expression of love. Now I know you can take this truth to the extreme and it can get very very weird. I'm here to tell you that God is not content for you to feel love for him and to think loving thoughts about him. You know, when you're courting someone, nice thoughts are not enough. You have to express it. God wants you to express your praise and your love of him through your body. That's the reason why there's a physiology to worship. Worship and praise needs to have a physical side for it to be authentic. Body language is a very important part of communication. That's why vocal praise and clapping of the hands and the lifting of the hands and singing, kneeling, and the playing of instruments are a vital part of worship. The resurrection of the body is a major Christian doctrine, and man is not fully a man without a body, and bodily worship is not a passing fad, it is eternal. And I'm reading again today, Romans chapter 12, Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. You know, if we're going to love God with our whole being, this is the first commandment. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. It has to be a part of our worship. One writer said when we are baptized, we surrender our body to be immersed in water to symbolize our burial with Christ, our recognition that in him alone, we are cleansed from all sin. The body rises up out of the water to symbolize the resurrection and our commitment to walk with our Lord in the newness of life in communion. We take bread and juice into our body to symbolize our participation in all he purchased for us. In his body on the cross. The point is the only two ordinances that Jesus left for the church to observe for all time are bodily expressions of obedience, acts of love. Jesus is saying love me with your body. What you do with your body is a major factor in communicating the reality of your love. This is the reason why I'm preaching this, and this is what I really wanted to preach. This is the oddest non-communitive generation that's ever lived. They do not communicate. What is it? You know, it's far more meaningful to have a face-to-face contact. Can you imagine carrying on a romantic relationship with someone? on the phone, yeah, baby. Isn't, that, isn't that intimate, so personal, isn't it? Internet relationships, that's real America, isn't it? Can't really stand in front of a real woman and talk. Can you go tell her I like her. (laughs) You know calling your lover and having a nice talk is not the same as having your body in their presence. I have pastors that are lamenting the fact that people are getting used to having services online. talked to two Australian pastors this week. There was a family that got sick maybe two hours before service and they couldn't make it to church. They're only allowed 25 people in the building about this size. You know, they have them restricted. It's the Soviet Socialist Republic of Australia. 25 people in this big building. It's like a BB in a boxcar. car. So one of the families couldn't come and so they get on the, he gets on the phone and calls one of his faithful families. Say, you know what, this family got sick. They can't come to the service. Would you like to come and fill in their place? No, 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 Pastor, we're okay. We're wearing our pajamas. We're settled in for the evening. One pastor said, so the mums, not moms, mums, and children are now staying at home instead of coming to church to worship physically. This is island weirdness. You leave the building and people start talking to you by text. You were just in the building with them, talking to them. And you get in the car and ding ding, ding, ding ding. And then, it's, and then they write 14 different messages to just one message: "Hello, pastor." Stop next message. How are you? Stop number three. What are you doing? Oh, I'm in the car. I was just with you. Won't talk to you at church in person, but stare at you from a distance. That is weirdness. And I want to say this morning that God is not fooled by our words. In other words, any lover knows how selfish you are. If your body is only minimally involved in expressing your love. So I want to close by talking about our whole life because your whole life must be a praise unto God. Worship is a lot more than clapping your hands at church. Worship is a lifestyle. And God repeatedly calls idolatry and the going after other gods adultery. It's amazing. People will clap their hands for the gods of this world. Unashamedly sing praises to the false images of materialism and humanism. Because they are spiritual harlots laughing at nasty comedians. It's amazing how people can get all energized. Men especially can go to the gym. They can play racquetball, basketball, go diving, go fishing, and then come to church and never engage physically in worship. I'm not advocating, advocating praise, dancing or anything foolish. But when it comes to praising and worshiping God, we need to turn this beefy tongue loose and praise God with everything that's our energy. God, I don't feel good. I've got a headache. I've had a bad time this week with the boss. Your car is held together with bailing wire and faith but at least you're in church and you're praising God because he is worthy of the worship and of the praise and of the glory. John chapter four is it is not true worship unless it is in spirit and in truth, you know, we have Pentecostal churches today and even a few in our fellowship who talk about a coming revival there's a revival coming. I know it's coming. It's coming, but they never speak in tongues on the platform. The preachers are ashamed to speak in tongues on the platform. I hope this sermon goes viral. If you listen to it, you'll hear it the second time. Because here we're not ashamed to be Pentecostal. We're not ashamed to be filled with the Holy Ghost. We're not ashamed to lift our hands to clap our hands. We're not machines. The goal of this message is not to develop a professional group of worshipers. I hate professional worship services. Everything's on cue. Not one hair is out of place. Brill cream hair. Colgate smile. And dead worship. No spontaneity in the worship. Canned music. Oh, what a generation we live in. Three fast songs, two slow songs, and out the door we go. God deserves our praise. The goal is not to develop a professional group of worshipers like a military band marching in a parade. The movements we make in worship portray either joy or indifference. Because we have not thought a lot about the physiology of praise, we tend to practice a sort of what I call disembodied worship of mind and soul. You know what ideal worship is? Let me tell you what it is, and I'm going to close. Ideal worship involves loving God with your body, your mind, and your spirit. Most of the church today, Pentecostals are the worst. We've become cerebral celebrants. It's all from the head. It's right up here. Oh, did you hear that guy on the guitar? He was hot. (laughs) It's one thing that technology does, (laughs) there's no place to hide when you can't sing. And I've been listening to some of our worship services across the world, and I've been to real concerts, and that's not a real concert. God help us. That's the reason why I opened up the sermon with make a joyful noise, don't sing in tune. We are to worship with our mind, yes. That's a good place to start. The problem is we neglect the role of the spirit and the body. I want to close with this story, Ron Stewart. We just watched him in Sunday school. I want to quote him. Listen to what he said this morning. How many here were in Sunday school? This man left his body. He died on the operating table and went into the third heaven. Listen to the last thing that he saw before returning to his body that was lying in the hospital was another very large room where there was a man instructing a group of people When asked what he was teaching, the angel said he is teaching young children and also people who receive Christ at an older age on earth. He is instructing them about worship. Ron understood that some children die before they can ever experience the act of worship. And some older people are converted to Christ at such an older age they die never experiencing true worship on earth. At that moment, the angel said, you are not staying, you're only visiting. He began looking around to see other people that he knew had died in the faith and did not see them. The angel's last words were, just because you do not see them does not mean that they're not here. It's very interesting that the last thing that he saw was an angel instructing people on how to worship. You say, what are we going to do when we get to heaven? I know some of you have plans to go fishing for 10,000 years. Some of you want to play the golden harp and float around on a damp cloud. I said damp. But that's not what heaven's about. Our number one occupation when we get to heaven will be worshiping the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And it will take all of eternity to praise him for who he really is. There's a choir waiting for us over there. Get ready. Because heaven is going to be a place of rejoicing and praise to the living God. Can we bow our heads together?